Hey guys, Travis Greenlee here with Epic Men Radio, rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. As today's guest expert, Bob Berg says, by shifting one's focus from getting to giving is not only a nice way to live, but a very profitable way as well. Money is an echo of value, and the value comes first, and the money is a very natural and direct result of the value that you provided. We're going to talk about this and a whole lot more in today's episode of Epic Man Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. You're listening to Epic Men Radio. Hey guys, welcome to Epic Men Radio. And in today's session, we're joined by world-renowned speaker and best-selling author, Bob Berg. Let me tell you a little bit about Bob's background. Bob shares information on topics vital to today's success for the business person. He speaks for corporations and associations internationally, including Fortune 500 companies, franchises, and numerous direct sales organizations. Bob regularly addresses audiences ranging in size from 50 to 16,000, sharing the platform with notables, including today's top thought leaders, broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, political leaders, including former United States president. Although for years he's best known for his book, Endless Referrals, over the past few years, his business parable, The Go-Giver, that's captured the imagination of his readers. The Go-Giver, a Wall Street Journal and Business Week bestseller, has sold over 500,000 copies, and since its release, it has been consistently stayed in the top 25 of the 800 CEO Reads Best Business Bestseller list. It's been translated into 21 languages and Bob's fourth book to sell over 250,000 copies. Bob's an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is in direct proportion to how many people they serve. Bob, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you with us, my friend. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you for having me. Right on, man. Well, listen, I know you are so busy. You've got so many things going with traveling around the world, speaking. And as we were talking, you know, you're doing seven or eight of these interviews a week. And man, you are in high demand. So how does it feel, man? I mean, really to be in this place and to be able to share this message and be able to connect with so many people to truly make a difference and to walk the talk that you, that you have in your book. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And well, it's a good feeling to do something that you love and do something that brings you a lot of joy and something where you feel you're uh, adding value to people's lives. I mean, I think that's what it's about. We're all created to, we're created to seek happiness and to seek happiness through, through something that speaks to us. Right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Through something that brings us joy through something that's bigger than ourselves. Right. And, uh, you know, I think when we can tap into that, and we all do, uh, you know, I, I love what you're doing right now with your Epic Men tribe, how you're bringing people together uh, and in which you're really teaching people and leading the field in providing value for others. Right. Showing all of us exactly. how to do that, how to tap into what we love, how to tap into what we can contribute, how to tap into what we can do. And, uh, you know, when you do that, it's, it's just, it's a great feeling. Because right. you know you're doing what you should be, and you know you're doing something that's making a difference. 
Right. And, and it doesn't feel like work, right? I mean, it doesn't feel like struggle. And like, you, you know, everybody talks about you got to be out hustling and you got to be working so hard. and You got to be just grinding it out. But I think as you found and, and as you share within your message, it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, when you found your passion and you live in your passion, it doesn't feel like work anymore, does it? No, which doesn't mean everything about it is is always, you know, a, a, a joy. There's things we all have to do that's that's not what you'd call pleasant, but it, it's it, it's not the main thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not something where you go to work, you have to get, you know, on Sunday night, you're just dreading the five days you have ahead of you. And then, right. you know, no, I mean, you know, I, I get to go to sleep. I can't wait to wake up because I know I'm going to do something that I love. Right. Uh, you know, so we put up with some of the things that aren't as fun, that aren't as pleasant. I mean, hey, you know, I love I love speaking and I love meeting people where I speak. I don't like travel. Right. But you know what? You, it's still better than taking the bus. <laughs> you get there pretty quickly. There's not a whole lot that right. So, you know, there's all things in life. It's never 100. But yeah, when you're right on when you're when you're doing something that you love uh, and doing something that that that, well, that's providing value in such a way that people are paying for because it's all a, a, a give and receive type of, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great way to live life. Awesome, bro. I love it. And, and so let's talk a little bit about that in terms of your background a bit. Because again, we see where you are and I mean, best-selling book, 500,000 copies and just everything that you've been able to create over the years. How about let's step back just a little bit to the early days of Bob Berg when you're getting started because there's a lot of guys that are listening in now in the tribe that are sort of reinventing themselves in a lot of respects and you know they've had careers and they've done sales or they've had businesses and this and that and they're really started saying well you know what is the next 10 years look like what does the next 15 years look like and how do I sort of reinvent reinvent ourselves so how about you you know stepping back say 10 15 years how did all this begin to to come about well, we, uh, I'm afraid at my age, we'd have to step back a lot further than 10 to 15 years. <laughs> right. It's more like about 35 years or so at this point. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I began as a television broadcaster. First, I was in radio, then in television. Mm. Uh, that was my initial goal. Um, it was actually the initial goal was to be a sportscaster, but I ended up getting into TV news. I, was, I actually worked my way up to late night news anchor uh, for a small ABC affiliate in the Midwest. Uh, I was not very good at it, I'm afraid. I was 24 years old. I didn't really know much about the news. I could read the news. I mean, that's <laughs> I certainly wasn't a journalist. I didn't know about the news and didn't really care. Yeah. Uh, I always kind of, I, I, I'm reminded of the, uh, the line in Ghostbusters where Sierney Weaver's character said to Bill Murray, Ghostbuster, you look more like a, a game show host. <laughs> I probably would have would have done all right as a game show host, uh, not not new. So it was uh, before too long. I wasn't in in broadcasting anymore, and I I, I like to say I graduated into sales, and uh, I stumbled at first because I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know anything about it, mm-hmm. and fortunately, about uh, oh, I guess about three months after I started, I don't know if that was it, but it seems like that was about it. Uh, I stumbled into a bookstore and uh, and and saw a book by Tom Hopkins called How to Master the Art of Selling. Mm. And it's a classic now, uh, but it had just really come out around that time. And uh, the, 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 the title itself gave me encouragement because how to master the art of selling? Mm. What? Yeah. Something to this because where I was working, let's just say the training was negligible. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
I knew nothing about, you know, I just knocked on doors, made calls and I didn't know what, and, uh, through, through the book, you know, let's put it this way. I went home, I just devoured the book. And then within three weeks, I was a, a totally different salesperson. I was actually doing really well. The only difference between where I was three weeks earlier and where I was three weeks later was I had a system to work with. Mm -hmm. And I, I define it personally. I define a system as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. Mm -hmm. The key is predictability. Mm -hmm. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and do A consistently, mm -hmm. and you're going to get the desired result of, of B. I mean, you've mm -hmm. been teaching that to people you've been working with for years. Sure. And, and people who bring you on as a, a, a coach or consultant, they, well, they prosper from working with you. You, you, have learned these success principles, you apply them, you teach them to others. And that's really what it's about. I began learning from other sales, fantastic people like Zig Ziglar, who became a real hero of mine. And I began studying it and just yeah. really, and eventually worked my way up to sales manager of a company and eventually decided to speak on the topic. And I've really been doing that for, I don't know, almost 30 years now, I guess, wow. uh, close to that anyway. And it's been a whole lot of fun and you know, I just really enjoy it. So I reinvented myself in that sense, I reinvented myself three times in my speaking career in terms of different topics because I started out with one, went to another, and then the last kind of uh, car incarnation, if you will, is you know, the whole go-giver uh, program. Mm -hmm. You know, we look to not only uh, uh, encourage on you know the entrepreneurial spirit in people and change the way business is conducted, but really we work with companies in bringing an entire go-giver culture within their company. So again, that's a, that was a, 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 another change. It was a reinvention. So, you know, we've seen reinventions important, whether it's, uh, you know, people like Madonna who reinvent themselves, you know, every few years or others who, you know, who followed suit. We see that those who continue to reinvent themselves are staying on top of their game. And that's not easy for me to do because I'm not a person who loves change. Mm. And I know that, you know, within the the personal development uh, uh, genre, if you will, there's sometimes what I call a, uh, a political correctness, okay? We're supposed to look at things in certain, we're supposed to say things like, change is great. Yeah, right. <laughs> Embrace change, <laughs> love the change. Yeah, I don't, I hate change, <laughs> okay? I like to have something going and just keep it going. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. And so, you know, after making some mistakes and, and, and really hurting my, setting my speaking career back a couple of years at one point in the late 90s, uh, I learned a very important lesson that change was going to happen whether I wanted it to or not. Right. I was going to have to change and I was going to have to reinvent and I was going to have to do some of those things I didn't really want to do in order to get to where I could be doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. Again. To be a little uncomfortable, maybe mm -hmm. something out of that comfort yeah. zone to force you into it. Tell me a little bit about that, because uh, our listeners love to hear about the breakdown, the challenge, you know, the failures, the things that, and and we all go through it. You know, we've got our ups and we've got our downs, mm -hmm. and we've got the twists and the turns. And what we always find, of course, is that's really the the biggest growth that we find, and it forces us into a new path. What was it for you? You had mentioned you had a sales you know, challenge or, or sort of a failure that shifted you. What was that? Yeah. What happened with me is in the, the mid to really the, the later 90s, that's when technology really started to become a, a big thing. Mm. Okay. Until then, I had built my speaking business in a rather traditional way. It was the telephone, call, send, and call, and 
form relationships and get the gigs and then work the referrals that I, you know, that's a strength of mine and, and work horizontal markets and vertical markets. And it was great. Uh, ended up having a, a couple really big clients, but one in particular uh, that became a large part of my business and a very lucrative part. And we've all been warned and we all know and we all teach. Don't allow one client to control your income. Mm -hmm. I allowed one client to control my income. Oh, boy. Of course, eventually that went boom, right? And that went in a bad way. Right? Yeah. Uh, and there goes the income, all right? <laughs> now, at about that time, that's when technology was really starting to, to shift. And, and the early adopters were doing well with that. And they were, well, I wasn't one of them. I didn't need to be doing this. I didn't want to be doing and I didn't do it and it mm -hmm. set me back really big time mm -hmm. uh, so I learned a couple important lessons but you know the the real big one was that change was you know was gonna happen whether I decided to agree with it or not and and then to be able to embrace the change as it began to come and, and technology yeah. in this point I mean you know we've seen what it's been able to do for speakers and for, oh. for authors and for opened experts. up whole new world absolutely oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we got stuff like Periscope and Blab and podcasting and, you know, it's a whole different world now. And, yeah. and it occurs and appears like you've, you've learned to embrace it, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, kicking and screaming I went in, but I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I am glad now. Now, fortunately, I've gotten to work with people who are really good at it. My uh, business partner, Kathy Tajanel, uh, she's just fantastic with this stuff. Mm -hmm. So she makes it easy for me to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm allowed to focus on the things I do best uh, while she, she is able to do that and does so many things I don't do well, uh, and has allowed me to understand technology and to know what to do. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got a pretty big presence on social media and, and with all forms of, I guess, techno basic forms of technology that most of it, you know, Twitter and Facebook, LinkedIn and so forth. And, mm -hmm. and Hey, programs like this, could we have really done this just 15 years ago? I mean, uh, no, way. Uh, no, I wouldn't even yeah. have thought of being able to do something like that. And so, right. Yeah, it's really made a, a, a huge difference. I love it, man. And the shifts in the transition. So it's, it's being able to embrace that change, kicking and screaming sometimes, but just embrace it nonetheless. And so how about from the other side of that? You know, that not necessarily the failure, but the change. You know, putting all your eggs in one basket, losing that account. I think we can all relate to that. I mean, we've certainly been through that in our careers. And, and you know, we get stung once like that. And man, the lessons yeah. we learn. So how about the other side of that and how that began to really move your career forward and really start to move you to a place where, you know, collaborating with new people and different people and people that have different strengths, you know, that allow you to focus on yours. And again, this whole like go-giver, you know, to tell us a little bit about that and that path, if you would. Yeah, well, probably the, the whole thing with the go-giver is, is the ultimate in it being a team uh, process. Mm -hmm. uh, first, when I had the idea for the book, and that was because yeah, I had a book called Endless Referrals, which was my first kind of major selling book. And that was for teaching how to create relationships in which people would know you, like you, trust you, want. And it was for the salesperson who you know didn't feel comfortable with the prospecting process. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was a, a how-to, a system, a, a system, if you will. Uh, and and yet, as I uh, after that, even after that book came out, while I enjoyed having that book out, I loved reading business parables. Loved them. Mm -hmm. uh, whether they were stories from Ogmandino and his greatest salesman in the world to Classen's Richest Man in Babylon, and then the early 80s, I think it was, Dr. Uh, 
Blanchard and Johnson with the one minute series and all their sure. one minute books. Yep. And, you know, you have people like Robin Sharma and uh, Jim Hennig and, and uh, Chris Widener and all these people have come out with these uh, and, and many, many more, of course. Uh, and I, I love all of them. And you can read it in an hour or two hours and get a great story. And, you know, there's a saying that, uh, you know, that, that uh, uh, facts tell and stories sell. And I, and I think that's true to a point. I think it, there's a, a, a um, I think there's something a little more to it than that. I think in a, in a way, and this may be semantics, but I think really stories connect. And I think only after we connect is when the sale can really take place. Mm -hmm. And so I love stories. So I thought, what if we could take the basic premise of endless referrals that, that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust and put that into a, a parable. So came up with the idea, you know, the go giver and not as though, not as that being opposite of the go getter. And by the way, there's a wonderful book called the go getter by Peter Kine, which is one of my favorite books. It's another business parable, uh, fantastic book. But the opposite of a go-giver really is a go-taker <laughs> because a go-giver is focused on providing or giving value to others, mm -hmm. understanding that money is simply an echo of value. Mm -hmm. In other words, the value comes first. The focus is on providing value. The money you receive is a very natural and direct result of the value you provide. So we want people to be go-getters and go-givers, just not go takers those are the people right. who are focused on the take right mm -hmm. take 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 me 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 all about me exactly right. and 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 it's not good business right because and i say this a lot of times when i speak at a sales conference travis that that nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet right mm -hmm. they're not going to buy from you because you need the money they're not going to buy from you because you think your product's great and they should have it they're going to buy from you because they feel it's of greater benefit to to buy from you than to not buy from you. And that's the only reason they should buy. That's why a true free market economy where people are not forced to do business with one another, but it's always based on, on a mutual voluntary exchange, it, a free market economics works so well for everyone uh, because uh, both people win. Right. In, in, a, in a free market-based exchange, there are always two, two profits, the buyer profits, and the seller profits. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it actually works for everyone who's even indirectly involved. So, right. And so, so uh, the idea of the go giver was, uh, was, was formed, but the story was not, believe me, there was nothing to the story yet other than what the kind of the focus would be. Now I, I actually sat down to write it myself and it took about a minute to realize that there's a huge difference between writing a how to book, which is all I'd written before mm -hmm. and writing a story or a work of fiction. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it's not that it was outside my comfort zone. It was, but that's not a problem. That's not an issue. It was as John Maxwell would later tell me what it was. And I loved what he said. He said, it was outside your strength zone right ah right. absolutely yeah big difference A big yes. difference big difference and i knew i mean i intuitively knew that i i couldn't make this book what i really wanted it to be because i knew there was a message there that could be mm -hmm. special so fortunately i knew i'd never met him in person yet but i knew john david mann because he was the editor-in-chief of a magazine i used to write for 
And he was such a great, great editor. And always, you know, our running joke, and he was so polite and always so not so so brilliant, but so humble. He'd write back every month with, with the corrections. He'd say, well, I changed this here. I did this here. Is this okay? And our running joke became every month I'd always write him back and say, not only is it okay, you write my stuff better than I write my stuff. Right, right. And, but I also, people who knew John just within that niche, because now this guy's got so many, he's, he's co-authored so many New York Times bestsellers, it's not funny. I mean, he's, he's so sought out by people who want to write a book at this point. But back then, he was known only within a special niche. But those who knew him, we knew he was brilliant, brilliant writer. And so I asked John, and when I say asked, I mean I pleaded with him to be the, uh, the co-author, the lead storyteller, uh, lead writer of The Go-Giver. Uh-huh. Uh, fortunately, he said yes. Uh, and, you know, we were able to collaborate. So that's the first collaboration. Then we had an, we had an agent, that, uh, the McBride Literary Agency, fantastic agent, but they went through 25 rejections before they finally found the right publisher. And the whole time, Margaret and Donna and, and Faye, the whole team, they were, they were amazing because they would help us reconstruct the book and, and, and take things out that, that were hurting it and, and put it, you know, and, and so just great. Uh, and then we had all sorts of family members helping on, you know, John did, I did. And then we also, when we found the right publisher portfolio, uh, which is now part of Penguin Random House, couldn't have worked with a better team. And they were all the, the most supportive publishers you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And we call it Team Go-Giver because it's everyone who, you know, who, who had a part in this mm-hmm. taking place. Mm-hmm. And then we had so many people, so many friends, people like yourself, ambassadors mm-hmm. of the, the message, people who, who already were living their lives and conducting their business as go-givers long before they ever heard about the book, mm-hmm. who said, yes, this is a message that we want to get out to people. And right. they got behind it. So, you know, this was not a matter of, of, of John or, or me, you know, uh, being it, being the person who made right. it. It's so much bigger than you. So much bigger than you. I mean, you certainly were the catalyst of this and you, and you know, you got the momentum started, but it's, it's that collaboration, the importance exactly. of having people around you and team around you, especially mm-hmm. people that can support you in areas that maybe aren't necessarily your strengths. Exactly. You're much more of the text and much more of the training, but then the whole story and right. You've been able to really portray that. And I got to tell you, man, it is absolutely my favorite book. I probably oh, read, read it and listened to it at least 30 times. Wow. And I, and for those guys listening in, if you haven't read or listened to the Go-Giver and then also Go-Giver Sell More, there's the sequel that's more specific to actually sales and, and sales yeah. training. But the Go-Giver, it is fun. It's easy. It's light. It's, you know, it doesn't take a lot of brain work. So it's, you know, easy to kind of really get to and, and grasp. But I think that's why it's taken off the way it is because we can all relate to it. It just makes mm-hmm. so much sense. Thank you. Well, you know, so I'll tell you, there's a, a, a mistake we made too after that, which I'll, I'll share because I think this can help. It can help everyone in the Epic Men tribe, okay? And I think it can help anyone who's, who's even watching this to understand that even after big successes, we can still make big mistakes. And it's a matter of learning and, and dissecting and, and learning why. After The Go-Giver, a couple of years later, we came out with a book uh, which was the study, the Go-Giver Sell More was the kind of the application, as you said, of, of sure. the Go-Giver. So yeah. then we came out with an actual another story called It's Not About You, which was sort of the leadership and influence as a Go-Giver would. And it was a story about a guy named 
Ben, who, who was working for a company that was looking to kind of absorb another company and everything. It was called, it's not about you with the idea being, it's always about the other person. It's about right. Which, and so we thought John and I both thought, okay, this one's going to really sell about as much as the go-giver because it was set in the same fictional town. Mm -hmm. We had different characters, but we had some cameo appearances. Mm -hmm. It was fun. It was just a, a fun book and a, mm -hmm. a, good, a fun book to write with John. And it was a, a good book. Well received by those people who read it. However, did this book, it's not about you. Why did it not sell? In fact, we are coming out with a, a redo of the book, a retitle, which I'll tell you about in a moment. But so here's the, the mistake. So after, after doing lots of scientific research, meaning we asked a bunch of people, <laughs> try to, to try to get the idea, why did this book not sell like The Go-Giver did, even though it was probably just as good a book and, and just as good a lessons. Well, it came down to the title. We thought it was a great title. It's not about you. But apparently, people who read the title said, well, if it's not about me, why should I read it? Uh, well, that makes sense. But there's one more thing, too. Of the, the half million copies of The Go-Giver that have sold, probably 400,000 of them have been the result of being gifts that people have given to others because it's a big gift book, okay? Mm -hmm. You can give a book to someone called The Go-Giver, and they take it as a compliment. You cannot give a book to someone called It's Not About You without right. them feeling a bit insulted. Right. What's this person trying to tell me? It's right. not about me. You know, it's like giving somebody a bottle of, uh, uh, what's that mouthwash? You know, Listerine, right? You know, yeah. it's like, what's this person trying yeah, to tell your, me? Your breath stinks. Here, try right. some of this. Right. right. So, so, you know, it's not about you. Oh, okay. You know, and, and so we, we've retitled it The Go-Giver Leader, which is really what it is. Uh, we, we also made a few changes in the text, but it's still basically the same story. Uh, we make sure to say right out of the book, formally titled, you know, it's not about you. But The Go-Giver Leader is much more congruent with our brand, of course. Mm -hmm. And it's a book that you can, that tells what it is. You don't have to think about what does it mean? It's not about me. You know, instead, The Go-Giver Leader, this is what it is. And you can give it as a book to those people in your life who, you know, you feel might be leaders. Sure. Uh, but that's a big le a lesson learned. Huge you know, lesson. We thought, this title's great. It's not about you. People who read The Go-Giver are going to get it right away that it's not, it's about law number three. Your influence is determined by how many, how abundantly you place other people's interests first, right? Uh, no, not at all. What a lesson. What an amazing lesson. Right. Because you said the story was there. Everything made sense. You know, the, oh. the small market or the sample market that you went to mm -hmm. made sense. Mm -hmm. But so what would you do differently now? Again, because that, that could have been a book that just shot out. Obviously, you're rebranding it now. Is that primarily would you go to more people? Would you go to different people? Would you take a different sample? Like what kind of advice would you give our readers on like, you know, really making sure that whatever it is that they're offering, whether it's a book or a coaching program or a product or a service to really do some of that research before you spend a lot of time and money and effort getting it ready to, to move into the marketplace. So, you know, from your lesson, what would you say? What would you recommend our listeners? Oh, in retrospect, you can think of all sorts of questions. How does this, how does this title make you feel? Not just, do you like the title? Is the title, you know, do you like the title? Uh, how does it make you feel? You know, is, is this something you would give to someone else? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's all sorts of questions now right. you can, uh, in hindsight, but yeah, I mean, fantastic. But it, it reaffirms the lesson that we are not our customers. 
Right. And, you know, one of the things I talk about as it relates to the go-giver, when we talk about the law of value, because value, you know, uh, uh, unlike price, uh, which is, is simply, uh, it is what it is. It's a dollar figure, mm-hmm. right? It's yep. a dollar amount. That's price. Value is totally different. Value is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something mm-hmm. to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing? this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that mm-hmm. brings so much worth uh, or value to someone that they will willingly exchange their, their money or their time or their energy or what have you for this and be glad that they did, okay? And that's value. But here's the thing. Value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Right. See, it's not what we think is valuable about our product or service. It's not what we think they should think is valuable about our product or service. It's what they think or feel or believe right. is valuable about it, how it affects them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the only way to know is to ask, ask. them and to ask deep, clear questions. I was just going to really say, really drill down. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Powerful. That is so, so powerful because, yeah, a lot of times we think our own stuff is so great, but man, getting outside of our own heads and into our marketplaces is a whole different animal. And and there's a good reason for this. We all see the world from our own unique viewpoint, right? Our belief system, that that, that, uh, unconscious operating system, if you will, right? Our our belief system is, it's it's handed to us. It's our belief system is a combination of upbringing, environment, Uh, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, popular culture, cultural mores, everything we think, feel, hear, say, do whatever, everything that comes in. But it tends to be very young. By the time we're a little more than toddlers, our basic set of beliefs has been formed. Everything that comes into our world after that, every experience tends to build upon that basic premise or foundation mm. of that belief system, right? Mm. And so we see the world in a certain way, but we don't even realize it. <laughs> we don't even realize this is how the, this is our belief. We're seeing this because we already believe this. Right. And we tend to think, we tend to think that everyone else sees the world basically the same way we do. How could it be any different? What other way is there mm. of seeing the world? And that's why you hear people, Travis, say, say things like, uh, oh, everybody likes that or no 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 one would or you hear people say things like well i would never say something like that to someone well no you wouldn't i wouldn't because it's not congruent with our belief system not the same for other people true and so we have to understand that clash of belief systems and when we do it doesn't mean we have to understand the other person's belief system they probably don't even understand their belief system they're probably not even conscious of it right but when we understand that people are coming from different belief systems we can think more about asking the questions the right questions that allow us to understand how they're seeing the world. powerful powerful lesson in terms of communication and yes. enhancing our communications getting outside of our own heads right and exactly. into other people again go giver focusing on others as well as ourselves again it's not all about them we we have some stuff involved <laughs> as well right i mean again it's a win-win situation absolutely all the way around and, and supporting them serving them we have people that are just getting started in the industry maybe somebody that wants to become a professional speaker mm-hmm. or an author or to follow the path that you follow because obviously it's 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 done very well for you, you know, in so many different respects and, and not only financially, but just that passion, that purpose, like you say, to get out of bed every morning and be excited about the day. I mean, I think that's for so many guys, they would give anything for that. 
So for guys in that place that are really wanting to reinvent themselves and really start to look at what that next 10 to 15 years could be and possibly be a speaker or a best-selling author or travel and connect with others, what advice would you give some of these guys just getting started on that path? Well, fortunately, there are pretty much systems for anything that you want to do and want to accomplish. Remember, what, you know, what is a system? It's the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. There are a lot of people out there who, are, are, who teach speakers how to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, people like Michael Port, mm -hmm. fantastic, and Lou Hecklers of the world, and, and Felicia Slattery. Lots of great people speaking, teaching how to, to be a much better speaker. Sure. There are people like um, Jane Atkinson who teach how to market yourself as a speaker, uh, Lois Kramer, and uh, there's, there's so many others. I actually did an interview with, um, with Jane, mm -hmm. uh, Jane Atkinson. If people want to listen to this, just go to uh, berg.com, B-U-R-G.com slash speaker. No, excuse me, slash Jane, mm -hmm. berg.com slash Jane, J-A-N-E. And you can listen to the, the conversation with Jane. Uh, she has a, a great book, Wealthy Speaker 2.0. Uh, and uh, which you can get when you go to the site too, but just let the, it's free to listen to. Just mm -hmm. listen, and uh, and she'll show you step by step, you know how to do this. We actually have a uh, Kathy Tajan, all my business partner, and I have a, a certified Go Giver Speaker program where we actually teach people, most of them who come who are already successful in other areas, mm -hmm. right, and who now they want to be a speaker and they want to utilize the Go Giver materials and my other intellectual properties over the years. And, mm -hmm. and so we have a, a certified Go Giver speaker program. Uh, they can find out more if they'd like at uh, gogiverspeaker.com or if they go to, uh, with no hyphen, or if they go to berg.com, B-U-R-G.com, they can click the link to that. But there are other speakers out there also who have their own uh, certification programs, which are fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, so, so there's all, um, and you don't have to use anyone else's if you already come to the table with some great skill sets that you already have. No, just learn how to market yourself, join national speakers association mm -hmm. and start to go to their, their, uh, convention, their conferences and, and learn from the many great pros who are, mm -hmm. you know, who've been doing it for years. So, mm -hmm. so there's all sorts of, um, access that you have to lots of people, groups, organizations who can teach you to, you know, to become a, a successful, highly paid professional speaker. Awesome. So it's coaching, you know, going and getting coaching and working with those that have done it, that yeah. know what they're doing, that have been in the trenches, that have been in the game, that are not just talking about it, but actually have done it and, and can serve and support others on how to do it as well and really exactly. expedite that process. Yeah. Well, that's what it does. It cuts the learning curve. Awesome. Well, I tell you, I'm going to be so enrolled in your program. I was so excited <laughs> when you were sharing more about it. So I'm in, I'm going to tell all of our guys, you know, look at this, you know, really take a close look at Bob's program and, and other thing he's doing. And the main site then, if they want to learn more about you and look at the possibility of working with you or, or connecting with you, is that berg.com? Is that yeah. right? B-U-R-G.com. Pretty much everything is right on that homepage. E easy enough. Berg.com. We can't forget that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I want to thank you so much for your time and for your attention. It means the world to us. So thank you so much for the difference that you're making, everything that you're doing with the go-giver and really walking that talk. It's so refreshing and it's such so empowering. Again, we thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you for all you do, Travis. You've been a great friend for many years and uh, I just love the work you do. Keep it up. All right, brother. Thanks for listening to Epic Men Radio. 
rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. Be sure to share Epic Men Radio with other men in your tribe so no one will ever miss a single empowering episode. You can find us at epicmen.com. Epicmen.com.